Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks this chance to come before you. We give you thanks for the gift of your word. God, guide us that we may hear you clearly. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome to about as close to our regularly scheduled episode as we can seem to manage in the year of our Lord 2022. It's only about 15 minutes late. Um, we had closer than we've been so far. Yeah. So closer we've been so far. This is great. It's not Tuesday. It's Monday. Uh, we're gonna do a show. My whole week uh, will can, not be entirely thrown off. We can blame um, Mr. Stacy. Well, for it's this one. fine. It's, you know, last week <laughs> it's because I had to go buy a car. Um, other weeks it's because I was, you know, I could not get on an airplane effectively. Um, it's been a really weird start to 2022. Um, there was a, I saw a quote about uh, 2021 that was like, it started with two ice storms and for some reason decided to continue. Um, it's like, yes, that describes 2021 and in 2022, at least for us, it is starting with scheduling nightmares and for some reason it seems to continue. <laughs> the the mascot for 2022 should be like the rabbit from what, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland going, I'm late, I'm late, I'm really, really late. Or just, you know, yeah. 2020. Two, maybe the year 2020 ends. Yeah. 2022? Two? Right, yeah, this is, this is, but weirdly, it's the second sequel to 2020. Yeah. This is technically 2020 the third, but it is 2022, uh, because they decided to start with zero instead of one. But and anyways. The words, and hey, the they did words have a lot of movies nowadays. Yeah, I know, yeah. right, yeah. Prequels and Yeah, so yeah, 2020 is really just the prequel for 2021 and, the and 2022. Words, and the words of Jerry Garcia, what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. No, it really has. Anyways, I am Pastor Jay Comstock. With me as ever. Sister Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchup. And on the ones and twos. Brother Stacy Tyler. And this is the podcast. It's not really a current events show. This is really more of a, we try to make more of a show that's timeless. Uh, where we certainly talk about something that is timeless, and we're going to talk about something that's been around for quite a while. Um, so our scripture this evening is uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I know knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Then I said, Ah, Lord, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Where I want us to look at Jeremiah chapter 4, or Jeremiah chapter 1, this kind of calling of Jeremiah, is I don't want to get too caught up in what specifically he was called for. The prophet's call is a very specific call. It is to be, as described here, the literal mouthpiece of God. Um, and so as a literal mouthpiece of God, that's the pl We are not all called to pluck up and destroy and to <laughs> have my words in your mouth and to overthrow and to build and to plant, right? That is Jeremiah's calling. What I want us to think about is this image and idea of calling and that something was placed within us by God as part of who God meant us to be from the beginning. 
that one, you know, here is this, this scripture that gets pulled a little out of context, the first few verses here, where it talks about before, I, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And, and, and this gets taken to a lot of places and deployed in a lot of places. But I want to pull it back to its original context and think about this idea of calling being a thing that is with you from the beginning, that God made each of us for a purpose. Here we get a window of Jeremiah's purpose, and we have to find what our purpose is. But the thing we share with Jeremiah is this idea that the, that God knew us before we were even formed, had a purpose for us, if only we will say yes to that purpose. This kind of mirrors Moses yes. in Exodus when God called him from the burning bush to go down to Moses. And Moses was trying to say, well, I'm slow of speech and I can't yeah. talk. Well, I'll be with mm-hmm. you. I'll give you Aaron, your brother, to be the mouthpiece and all. So he's telling that to Jeremiah, saying, saying, don't say you're young, you're a boy. I'll be with you. I'll tell you what to do. You'll be okay. So that should be us today that we do have a purpose in life, yeah. whatever it may be, big or small, that the Lord will be with us and will equip us what we need to do to make that call come to fruition. You know, um, there's a Christian idiom about uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. That's yeah. it. And, and that's what it's talking about here. Uh, or God were, doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he equips them. And so as you thought about Moses, interesting enough, I remembered Paul talking to Timothy, despise not your youth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very similar words of, hey, wherever you are at, God's called you, which means he can use you. You know, I think of, as I've shared before, there's been times in my own life when I was feeling unworthy of the calling and just like, Lord, you, I've made too many mistakes. And, and you know, in, in that prayer, God was kind of like, you're right, you are unworthy. But guess yeah, what? Uh, yeah, I guess call, what? I called you <laughs> yeah. anyway. I'm not yeah. surprised. Uh, I've got this. And, and that's the thing about a calling. It isn't so much that, yes, to an extent, we operate in a way to try to be worthy of the uh-huh. calling, but it's not up to us to make the calling come about. It's to be open to be used and trust that he'll make it happen as he sees fit. Right, but I, so I appreciate that distinction, that this is not a shunning of preparation. Yeah. Right, because sometimes part of that calling is a season of preparation. <laughs> as someone who went through a you know, 10-year journey, um, on my way to becoming a pastor, right? That where I, you know, I, I have more offensive ways to put this, but you know, I, when I first got my call to ministry in 06, like who the heck was I, right? Like I was mm-hmm. full of it, right? Mm-hmm. I had all these wonderful ideals, but I had no experience um, whatsoever. I had no business telling anybody about anything. And then I went on a 10 year journey, um, literally around the journey around the world um, that took me to some of the most interesting places I've ever seen, some of the poorest places in our world, some of the wealthiest places in our world, right? You know, you think about living in a dorm in Oxford, England, um, and living in it. I was actually, this came up in staff meeting because they both. Cheerio, did you have tea time? I did. Um, so both of these rooms are about the same size as our walk in fridge. Um, both my dorm in Oxford and my cell in Kenya uh, were the same sizes as the church's walk in. Tiny. Right, but one is in one of the wealthiest places in the world, Oxford University, and the other is in Katui County, Kenya, where the average income is less than a dollar a day. Ooh, um, and so, all of this is a part of my calling, right? And it doesn't mean that God isn't active in my life now, but part for part of me to answer the call that God 
the call that God put on my life was to go through a intense season, um, a very long journey of preparation, so that I could arrive in the situations where God needs me, um, and and be able to do the things that God needs me to do. Yeah, that is true. He'll get you ready. He won't just send you out there unprepared. He'll get you ready to go out into the field and be uh, successful for him. You don't send out no trash well, like that. And so I, I know I've mentioned this this before, um, but so Professor Pacini, who was my systematic, no, excuse me, my uh, Christian history too, doesn't matter. Um, one of my theology professors, um, <laughs> one of the like headliners of Candler at the time, he was on the university selection, the, the selection committee of who got to go to Candler um, and who didn't. So that means he read everyone's admissions essay. And uh, uh, Professor Pacini um, is a very distinct personality. And so he, at some point, he would stand up and he would be talking about the prophet's call. Um, and he would say, okay, so there's a structure. And, and you, when you jump to Mo, Brandy, when you jump to Moses, right? So there's a structure to the call of a prophet, mm-hmm. uh-huh. right? A prophet is called. A prophet finds some reason to say, no, 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 it cannot be me. And then God reassures them, right? The prototype for this is Moses, of course. Yeah. Um, but it shows up in almost every prophet's call. It is like a form that it takes, Look, look at Gideon, who like yes. kept putting out uh, our whole idea of, oh, let me put a fleece out. That comes from Gideon, because he did that more than once, I might add, to go, okay, is this really right? right. And so what Professor Puccini uh, pointed out to us is having read all of our admissions essays, is that seminary admission papers uh, also take the same form. <laughs> and I, as a DCOM member, right, I read a lot of call stories, right? A lot of pastors' call stories take this this specific form. That what we see the stages that Jeremiah goes through is something without meaning to we all fall into. This is often how call stories go. I was called. For whatever reason, I found a reason to push back on it. And yet God reassured me, and so I went along. You think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even Jesus, in his own way, yeah. goes through this story, goes through this mm-hmm. version. Yeah. Jesus is called to die, right? Um, he, uh, he he comes up with some reason to not to. God reassures him, and he goes along with it. Think about John the Baptist baptizing Christ. Yeah. Uh, who am I? I, you know, I, you should be baptizing me. No, this has to happen. And, and but so, really, <laughs> and so if we, so one of the like metrics people often go through for rejecting a call is, oh, like that just doesn't like that seems like too much, or that seems like you know outside my comfort zone. And so one of the things, honestly, you know, not everyone is called to everything, and so you. Like, you know, you need to discern what that is. But as you have those excuses in your heart, what you need to ask yourself is, am I just being Jeremiah right now? Am I just being Moses? Am I just being like all of my other forebearers who had callings and for whatever reason resisted them until some sort of reassurance led them forward? So let me ask you a question then, Trey. What, like, somebody like me, for example, that doesn't have that, didn't have that straight line or early in life calling, like, I knew this is what I needed to do. This is what I need to be. I need to go on this long journey to get where I'm going. What about people like me that have just kind of wandered around aimlessly for, like, the last 30 yeah, years of but his I, life? But I think... And then you finally come to the end and, and you know, towards the end of it and you go, oh. I mean, well, so you asked you ask a couple, 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 couple of questions. And the first thing to say is this all looks a lot more linear in retrospect. 
huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But in, in the moment, right, like it doesn't necessarily feel that linear. Right. It does not necessarily feel that direct. It does not necessarily feel that guided. And so often you know, you know, obviously Jeremiah, these prophet types have these like really direct encounters where they get to really clearly find out what on earth they are supposed to do. But for a lot of folks, it is not that straightforward. It only seems that straightforward when the story is told in retrospect. This is one of those things that the Harry, weirdly the Harry Potter books get right. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the like central themes of the Harry Potter books um, is that everyone's like, "Oh Harry, you're so brave," and he's like, "No, I was just trying to stay alive." Or, "Oh, you have so many abilities," and it's like, "No, dog, I just like had people that helped me," and like that's not a failure of Harry. That's just how real life works. Um, and so that one of the ways I would respond to that is, I think you can only see it sometimes by looking backwards. Um, the other thing to ask yourself is, what were you being prepared for, right? Or how can God, whether, you know, some of this, you know, may have involved wandering from God, but how do you think God could use this background, this unique person that you have become, right? right. To understand that it's not like your preparation starts now. All those things you carry with you, you know, my 10 years on the road, right? I, I didn't necessarily set out on that journey, um, certainly parts of that journey I, I did not think were deeply connected and yet ended up so. And then things that felt, things that I really thought were going to be a huge part of it didn't necessarily end up being that way, right? You know, I'm, I'm shocked as anyone that I'm not in Kenya right now, right? That I didn't go from grad school to another international post. That instead I decided to have family and settle in and become a local church pastor. I am deeply, I have, you know, friends and I, you know, I sometimes, you know, uh, we're in the middle of, tentatively planning a mission trip to Mexico. I'm going to tip that to whoever's live with us. Uh, but like, even as I think about like spinning up that missions part of my brain, I think it's hysterical that I have not been on an international mission trip of any kind since 2016, right? Like that was deeply shocking to me. Um, and so it, I, I would, I don't necessarily have a perfect answer except that think about who you are, think about how you got there and then think about where this person you have been formed into, both by the hand of God and the hand of your own willfulness, which is all of us, um, how can that be used? Right, right. You know, um, in thinking of all of that and just going back to what Brandy was saying about Moses, you know, Moses, though it looks like he is and he is kind of going, the reasons he can't, it are some, some weaknesses that had to be addressed. But what's interesting in the Moses story is, God wasn't shocked by that, and God was like, go on, uh, your, your brother Aaron's going to meet you along the way, and he'll speak for you, which means Aaron was already on the way, Yeah. so God oh. already had the provision on the way, because he, when he calls us, he knows those weaknesses, and it's like, yeah, that's fine, admit it, be humble, go for it, but I've got that too, and I've already got a plan in place. Well, in some ways, like Moses is the perfect, perfect prophet to look at, like, people who have weird pasts, yeah. right? Moses killed a dude, Yeah. right? The dude that's eventually going to bring down the Ten Commandments murdered a guy, yeah. right? Um, hey, hey, I grew up in the household that I'm going to come challenge right. I already and killed function. one of the people. Right, yeah. so like, I am yeah. more likely to be on the side of Pharaoh than I am on the side of my people. I have more lived experience, and that ended up being really useful because he could 
talk to Pharaoh in a way that a normal a normal person would not be. He was not terrified by Pharaoh in the way that someone else be. But just on paper, it is not clear. When you are Moses there tending the sheep of your father-in-law out in the desert, that God has got much to do with your life. And then you arrive at this moment where God speaks directly. But, you know, Moses' path was far. You know, Jeremiah, he's having this conversation young. Some prophets get it young. You're Jeremiah's, uh, you're Samuel's, um, you know, some you're John the Baptist's, um, get it pretty young, but not everyone does. Certainly Moses didn't. Uh, some uh, good comments yes. in here. Uh, do you know how hard it is to give someone a word from God and wonder, was that my head or God? Did I change something to make sense for me? What am I doing? Yes. And then uh, God likes to rub up on those comfort zones. Like oh, someone yes. If that calling makes you truly comfortable, it may not be much of a calling It's not a calling if it makes you comfortable. And there's another one. Um, hindsight is like is like after being in a car accident and turn around and look at the vehicle with no trunk completely crushed and the windshield is gone and the front was twisted and thinking, huh, I should not have lived through that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was an miracle. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I happen to know the specific instance that we're referring to there. But like, yes, that's life, right? Um, and certainly that's life for Moses uh, is that, you know, this kind of hinge point of his life comes in, in a way that you would not expect him to, right? If he was going to be called to be God's servant, maybe it should have been before he killed the dude, but it wasn't. Right, or, or Paul, right. right? Paul does have this direct encounter with Jesus. I bring up Paul all the time, but like Paul as the lead theologian of the early church is insane. Periodically, Paul reflects on, yeah, I think this is as nuts as I do that I'm here, but here I am. Boy, God is weird. Um, Paul was a Christian bounty hunter. That's right. Yes, literally. I mean, literally. Yes. Killed people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, he, is. he literally no. like goes bounty hunting for Christians. And so, Stacey, I, I guess I, in some ways I throw out the premise of your question. All of these people you read in the Bible do not have strict, strictly li- linear paths, often quite the opposite. This just happens to be one that is, right? right. Some of them are. Um, but not everyone is, and, and certainly I think even for those of us who are in, you know, kind of you know, some sort of formal licensed or ordained ministry around this table, I don't think we would identify our stories as super linear. Mine mm-hmm. happened maybe on a slightly more compressed time scale. Um, I am the youngest on this podcast, but like even for me, like a lot of it just felt like random wandering. I got I mean, really like, sick a lot too. You could have, I mean, you could have never told me back in 2000. That in like 20 years or so, I'd be sitting here in a, the same room with three pastors on a podcast. I'd, Me neither. Me neither. Right. 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 Hey, and Moses was 80 when he started out his uh, calling. Yeah. Can you imagine still remember. tending sheep for your father-in-law when you're 80? I mean, right? just, you know, okay, yeah. you talk about you, you the terrible talk job. Talk about still living in your mom's basement. Right. I'm 80 years <laughs> old. I'm out here working for the father-in-law, tending the sheep. How is he still, how is the father-in-law still I mean, alive? This is at, the underreported at, story of Exodus. How is the father-in-law still alive? Look at the, uh, you know, compare it to David. You know, right. Story. We know David tended sheep. David was the youngest. David yeah. was thrown out there to be kept away from everyone else because he was out tending the sheep. It makes you wonder, what did the father-in-law think about Moses? Right. No, ex- <laughs> yes. No, exactly. Right. So, I, I guess. Hear the Dylan voice. Don't. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, don't. Don't misread Jeremiah. Right. This is the story of how Jeremiah's calling happened. And for some folks, it happens that way. And for some folks, it doesn't. 
And the Bible tells both pictures of this story. The Bible even periodically tells stories, although not very often, of people who just get it right away. This is where Mary becomes so this is where Mary and Joseph both, Joseph of the of New Testament fame. Although Joseph from Old Testament fame also pretty rad. Um, this is where people like Mary and Joseph become so remarkable because they, unlike Moses, unlike even Jeremiah, don't have these grand scale uh, rejections. Mary's only question is, I'm a virgin. That's weird. And God's like, don't worry about it. And she's like, my soul magnifies the Lord. Okay. Right. She cool. was just making sure A plus B <laughs> right. still equals that, C. But like, so not to draw this back to the previous theories, mm-hmm. but at least do it for a moment. Like, this should help this scripture and the thinking about Moses and thinking about Paul um, should help you understand what's remarkable about the people who do say yes right away. Yeah. Because that is not the norm, not in hu- not in human life beyond the Bible. But one of the beautiful things about the Bible is it's not the norm in the Bible either. So mm. question, why would it take us a minute to get our calling in check? You know, as far as... Mary answering right away, yes, mm-hmm. but some of us be like, I don't know, why do we do that? I mean, I, I, I mean, any number of reasons, right? Um, some of it I suspect is self esteem, right? Mm-hmm. That we don't see ourselves, um, in this to the same eyes that God does, yeah, right? And and that and that's for good and for ill. But in the case of calling, it is often we are doing a detriment to ourselves by b- being unable to see ourselves in God's eyes. Certainly, that was. Um, something I ran up against in accepting my own calling. My mm. first thought was, I ain't got the faith for that. You hilarious. <laughs> this is funny. How do I, like, how do I undo this thing I feel? Because, like, that makes no sense. <laughs> like, so, I a, so I have another question for you then. So do you think that God, uh, maybe in the middle of, okay, he, he knows what you're supposed to be here to do. And like you said, he knows, knows you before you were born. Is there maybe at any point that God maybe goes, you know what? I had you scheduled to do this and this, but maybe you should go over here and do this. No, but it would be only because, like, that is, I think that's a, like, that's a misunderstanding of how God works, right? Instead, God has done all that work ahead of time, including God knows the decisions you're going to make. And God knows, as you start to think about the 3D chess that God plays, right? So God knows every decision you're going to make. And God knows every decision that everyone else is going to make. And God... In, infi- in literal infinite wisdom can handle that matrix, right? Of So the plan plays out. That doesn't mean you're automaton. You're still making your choices. It's just God is able to see all everyone else's choices and make sure that what needs to happen happens, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not so much that God calls an audible. It's that you call an audible and God is ready for it. That doesn't mean that calling doesn't change over time it certainly does right. but it's not because god didn't need didn't turned out didn't need you to do the thing you were doing it's that if you were truly listening you could do it for a season and then god might need you to do the next thing but right. god has this is different than an end of free will i know this butts up against it uh-huh. um but like a good methodist i'm gonna butt up against it but not and but not fall over uh-huh. um that it is not that we don't make decisions for ourselves. We do. It's just God knows the decisions I'm going to make and the decisions you're going to make and the decisions that everyone else is going to make and can weave the plan together with perfect knowledge of how this is going to play out. Yeah, knowing what all the decisions are and all the uh, ins and outs is different than directing those. It's like, here's your choice. 
I just happen to know what you're already. I just happen to know what you're going to do and what the other people around you are going to do. Which made me think of uh, you know the the original Matrix. Uh Yes, as it should. That's uh, an attempt. Don't worry about the uh, vase. Right. What vase? He hits it and cracks. Oh, I'm sorry. I told you not to worry about it. How did you know? Oh, that's not what's going to bother you. What's going to bother you is when you later start thinking about had I not said anything, would you have still knocked it over? Right. Right. And so this. So like (laughs) this is one of the things the Matrix plays with is. The nature of free will and determinism. This is something that the Wachowskis um, very interested in getting at. And sometimes I think they uh, think they are, uh, you know, far deeper than they are. Um, but one of the like, you see this image in the third. I think it's the third Matrix film, mm-hmm. um, where, wherever we meet the architect. Oh, um, yeah. Is that the third one we meet the yeah. architect? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just gonna no, say everything is Lawrence Fishburne no, because it makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. The architect. The Merylvingian, please. The Merylvingian. I sometimes I just say that word to myself as Lawrence Fishburne because it makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, I just like listening to Lawrence Fishburne say the Merylvingian. I like trying to sound like as a high tenor, trying to sound like Lawrence Fishburne. Um, as if only I could do. He has a better pastor voice than I'll ever have. Oh my god. Um, because Morpheus is a pastor, right? Like, Morpheus is a priest. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. You have this scene where you're watching, like, all the different Neos shouting, right? So this is an interesting image of what God sees, right? Of watching that God sees the whole... They are not screens, presumably, right? They're happening within the mind of God. But, like, you can imagine this big wall of screens of everyone making every choice. And God has the intelligence and experience to make sense of it and make sure the things that God needs to happen will happen. Right? Uh, will they happen the way, you know, we want them to? No. Uh, will they happen perfectly? Depends how you define perfectly, right? We still live in a fallen world and people are still going to make fallen choices. It'd be a lot easier if people didn't, but turns out we are still human and do. Dude, God knows the, how to read code. Right? He wrote code. He wrote uh, so code. It, it, code. Interesting in here. Uh, so when people ask why we don't have miracles like they did in Bible times, and you're going, you know, that was a thousand years of history and more, and it's hyper-focused on those events, and most of the people at that time missed it too. And, and yeah, I, I think it's a good point that we do have miracles these days, and a lot of times people miss them. Or, you know, we, we're not we're, looking for them. Yeah. Exactly. And we're not necessarily, you know, a lot of those miracles happened in certain places where Jesus was. So the people over in uh, Rome, while Jesus was walking around Capernaum, didn't really hear about it. Right. There's still things going on today in uh, Africa and other places that we hear about later on. Well, and also good, like, good news doesn't sell papers. (laughs) Right. And and what's a miracle? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. Because I can tell you yesterday morning was a miracle. I watched a miracle happen in front of me and it was called a sunrise. Sure. But but like, you know, I, I, I use this line a lot, but like Christians feed a hundred people at a soup pantry. That doesn't make the news, right? That's just every day. Right. That's miraculous, right? That uh, enough people were gathered together to want in this kind of age of, of, of selfish individualism, wanted to gather together to take the time to cook to cook food for, so, for someone who couldn't pay it, that they miraculously had the resources to do that. I will tell you, that takes more than a song. Anytime a soup kitchen opens and serves someone food, that's a miracle. Um, anytime a conflict that could have blown up into something huge 
huge is settled by a hug instead. That's a miracle. And yes, sometimes a doctor being able to put the stint in just in time Mm -hmm. uh, is a miracle, right? right? And it just doesn't make the headlines and it doesn't look like the healings. And those those kind of miraculous healings are also still happening. To to me, anything that's not done with self-gratification is a miracle. Right. I think Uh that's a a good way to think about it. And so the miracles are happening all the time, but the human mind wants to see the bad stuff, right? This is the thing that newspapers and television stations Mm -hmm. know is that good news doesn't sell newspapers. Bad news does because kind of in the coding of our brain, speaking of code, we are encoded to receive negative emotion stronger than positive emotion because negative emotion teaches, right? If you put your hand on the stove and it burns, you're never going to do that again, right? And so your brain is coded to, oh, negative thing, dump the chemicals, right? Imprint that memory. Positive does not have the same response. And so newspapers, I use that for all the news, right? Television stations, uh, people who share viral news articles know that tragedy sells and good news doesn't, right? And I even catch myself on this, right? Um, I, I stopped reading page for cover, for cover to cover the Palestine Herald Press, um, but I skim it. And you know, I totally ignore all the like theater students put on one act. Per- Actually, I did read the one about the one act, but I happen to know one of them. Um, or, you know, a new restaurant opens in downtown. I glaze over those and I make sure I read the crime section, right? Oh, boy. Um, and that is because, even for me, who knows how this works, tragedy sells papers. Which kind of, in some ways, the way our brains work, plays into what she was, uh, Sister Brandy was asking about why do we have that difficulty in accepting our calling? Because we start immediately seeing right. our negatives. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, what yeah. the uh, good news of it is, is God's there to remind us we do have some positives, but yet to also remind us that his positives will always overshadow that, our negatives. That's what Jeremiah was saying right off the mm-hmm. bat. I'm just a boy. I don't right. know. Right, and so he ha- again, he has that that classic prophet's response of I don't know, I could, I how how could how could it be me? And so yeah, I think some of it is self esteem, and I think some of it is um, how we look at God. Right, it is a place where doubt comes in of doubting. You know, we read about the miracles, right? <laughs> um, and we maybe we even see them in the modern day, but that ain't gonna work with me. I'm too far gone. I, I, no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I read about, I read about King Josiah's and your Jeremiah's and your Peter's <laughs> giving these miraculous sermons as an untrained fisherman. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that worked, that worked with those, those fools. I almost said something else. Uh, <laughs> uh, that works with those fools. That ain't going to work with me. Right. And so some of it is a lack of faith in ourselves uh-huh. and some of it is a lack of faith in God, that God can do what God needs with the raw material God has at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, you know, there's one last comment and then we'll wrap this show up. Um, whoa, just knocked my mic over. Uh, negative teaches, stares at child, staring at oldest child intensifies. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Negative mm-hmm. teaches. Right, it, it does. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it sinks in. It's just more likely to sink in. Um but anyways, this is as good a place as any um, to bring us in for a landing tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Apologize, it was a little delayed. Um, but we got it. It happened, right? We've completed a show. It's Monday. It's still Monday. On the right night. Uh, on the right night um, and almost in the right time. Uh, if you have feedback uh, for us and you want to talk about your calling um, or the doubts you've had around your calling, um, go ahead and you post a comment here on Facebook. You can uh, leave a comment over on our YouTube channel. You can uh, post a comment on our website, palestinegrace.com slash videos. You can email us, Grace Church 
Palestine at gmail.com. If you're looking for an audio-only version of the show, boy, do I have a deal for you. Just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. That usually populates about the morning after uh, the show, sometimes the, the night of. Um, we'll be back. Lord willing, um, in a week's time, uh, with another regularly scheduled episode. And go Niners. Sure. Yeah. That'll be fine. Yeah, um, whatever. Let's yeah. go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Fear not. Stay well. God is with us. Nope. Missed. There we go.